This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. We will leave February with a bang. It is another Scoop Podcast, two consecutive days of Scoop Podcast. This is episode 130. We will chat with Wild Assistant GM Brent Flair in just a bit. The Wild recalling Luke Cunning. It's inevitable that they will sign Jordan Greenway. As soon as Boston University's season is done, they did trade Mike Riley on Monday to Montreal. They lost Chris Stewart on waivers. And Jonas Brodeen is back as of Tuesday night. So lots going on with the Wild. So we'll catch up with one of the decision makers, one of the brain wizards of the Wild in just a second. After Flair, I will empty out my notebook. So much going on on the Vikings front. I've been asked a lot, were they in on Marcus Peters? I have that answer. What is going on with Lance Lynn? Is there still a chance Lance Lynn, Alex Cobb, or Jake Arrieta ends up in a Twins uniform? Plus an update on the Miguel Sano investigation. I was hanging with a Twins employee on Sunday. He made a good point. He's like, I can't believe how little play there's been in town about the Sano investigation. Well, we finally have a bit more clarity on that investigation. So I'll have that update in just a bit. First, some love for the sponsor of the Scoop Podcast. By the way, I'm excited to bring in a new sponsor next week. Thank you so much. I'm forever indebted to the folks who keep this podcast going. I have a strong passion for radio. I had a chance to work full-time in radio for a long time. Unfortunately, got let go. Going back now nine years, landed on my feet, fortunately landed on my feet. Forever grateful to Joe Schmidt for bringing me aboard at Channel 5. But I don't get to do as much radio as I'd like to do, but doing a weekly podcast certainly satisfies part of that itch. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Without the sponsors, it's hard to carve out time to do these. I do my best to be the best husband possible, the best dad possible. Those are the two most important jobs in my life. Then comes TV, then comes other duties associated with TV, you know, whether it's personal appearances or any number of things. So podcasting is down the list, but thankfully because of the sponsors, I'm able to carve out a good amount of time. I can make podcasting a bigger priority because I'm so passionate about doing radio, so passionate about disseminating information. So thank you to Skoll Marketing. Yes, Skoll Marketing is the sponsor of Scoop Podcast episode 130. They've been on board for a while. They'll continue to be on board. I'm forever grateful to the folks at Skoll Marketing. They are a business-to-business marketing agency. They specialize in working with local small businesses. So if you're a business owner in general, they will help you. If you're a small business owner, they cater to your specific needs. They are a locally owned company started by two former Google employees. If you worked for Google, you know what the heck you're doing. They are here to help the little guys compete. They work with businesses in web development, pay-per-click advertising, social media management, and so many more areas. They want to make Google work for you. Let's make Google work for you. You can get a free 30-minute consultation, so call them, 612-787-SKOL, 612-787-SKOL. Or if you're seeking out more information about what they do, they are available online. Check out their website, skolmarketing.com. Again, skolmarketing.com or 612-787-SKOL. Let Skoll Marketing help you make money. All right, let's get to Brent Flair. Brent, always appreciate your time. We were just talking off mic. I'll bring it into the on. My conversation. How much does your life change now that the trade deadline has passed? So, in terms of scouting, I mean, you're constantly on the road, but how much does your life change now that the trade deadline has passed? Uh, yeah, it's 
you know, with the you know colleges wrapping up, high school wrapping up, and junior wrapping up, uh, it's, uh, it's a sprint for all of our scouts. And for me, uh, right until the end here now, once the trade deadline's over, so I tend to focus a lot more on the amateur and on the draft. And um, our guys tell me where to go, and so I'll be on a pretty good milk run here for the next little bit. Who tells you where to go? Who's specifically in charge of of mapping out schedules for you guys? Uh, just all of our schedules. I do my own schedule, but our scouts, uh, you know, we identify you know meetings and whatnot. We identify the players that we have in range for certain rounds, and and then uh, you know, we target a few guys. And you know, obviously, you have to manage your time, so you can't spend too much time on players that you don't have a chance to get. And, uh, but you know, the way it works now, that the draft lottery, you got to make sure you know everybody still, but. Uh, you just try to focus on guys that might be in your range. I don't think you guys will be a part of the draft lottery. I hope not. I hope not. I mean, the way you guys are playing, Brent, I mean, it's now, it's a long period of sustained success. I have the numbers in front of me. We talked about this a few weeks ago, but it continues. The theme continues. You guys are tied for second in points since December 27th in the entire NHL. You're fourth in points since November 9th. I mean, this is a long stretch of you guys playing incredibly well. Yeah, no, it's, it's kind of gone under the radar, and I think just with the the way their our conference and hopefully our division is, it's, it's just a grind. You know, we you win hockey games and you just kind of stay the same. If you lose, you fall back, and it's just the reality of uh, uh, just the the quality of teams in our, in our conference. So, uh, no easy games, but our guys have you know after a bit of a slow start, we got going, and and uh, we like our depth, we like our team, and. Uh, when we play at the top of our game, we feel we're competitive with anybody. Does it surprise you how much? I think you're right. Does it surprise you how much you guys have flown under the radar? I mean, maybe it's because Nashville and Winnipeg are playing so well and your division is so stacked. But I do feel like nationally, even locally to a degree, maybe it was the Vikings run, you know, so many things going on here in town. But I do feel like you guys have flown under the radar. Yeah, a little bit. And sometimes that's good. You know, just uh, guys can just focus on their game and, um, but yeah, no, I, I think nationally, I think we always kind of stay under the radar just a little bit, but, um, but that's fine. I think, uh, you know, we, we know what we are and we have high expectations and we got a, a tough stretch here. We got to make sure we're, we're uh, ready to go. And, you know, the focus for all these teams in our conference is, is to get into playoffs. And once you're there, it's, um, there's no easy, there's no easy out. So, uh, we're just trying to get into the dance and then. Once you get there, hopefully get into a few rounds and and hopefully uh, just continue to go. On getting into the dance, do you guys ever talk internally about what's the easier path? Like what I'm getting at is would it make some sense to try to match up against if you could? I mean, I get it. It's not that easy to do this. But if you could match up with, say, Vegas in the first round, go that path, maybe end up with an Anaheim in the second round if you were fortunate enough to get by Vegas as opposed to having to deal with, let's say, Nashville or Winnipeg in the first round? No, I I don't think you can look at it like that. You know, we've we've always played okay, you know, pretty well against Nashville and Winnipeg, and historically. Uh, so yeah, no, I don't think you can look at it like that. They're all good teams, and you got to be careful what you wish for sometimes. You're right about that. And again, I mean, heck, just when you try to do something like that, it goes haywire. So I mean, that's the last thing you ever want to do is to try to set up your playoff matchups. But it is a matchup league, right, Brent, where you do match up better against certain teams than others. Oh, for sure. And, you know, certain the way hockey works, some teams just have a, 
you know, for whatever reason, certain teams always beat certain teams, and just uh, you know, I don't, there's no rhyme or reason to it. But but no, we we feel like we're a good team, and um, you know, we just want to get in, and and we're playing like I said, if we're playing at the top of the game, and our guys are uh, hopefully can bring it to another level, then hopefully we can go on a run here and have some success. And, uh, unfortunately, only one team can win it all, but. You know, you just got to make sure you give yourself a chance. You're a good team. For you guys to be a great team, what is happening when you're great? What needs to happen for you guys to be great here, to be hitting your peak, you know, come April into May? I think just, you know, for us, it's just when we're playing at our best, we're, we're tight defensively. We're not turning pucks over. I think, you, you know, you see in some games where we're, we're not uh, up to par, we're, we're a little loose and uh, we're a little carried away and, a little cheating to the offense a little bit. And when you're doing that, you're turning pucks over. And, um, you know, you just can't have success with that in playoff hockey. And uh, a lot of these games down the stretch here are going to be like playoff hockey. So we're just going to have to manage manage the puck well, manage the game. And, you know, we have, we have good players, so hopefully we can stay healthy and, um, you know, come together as a group here and, and go on a good run and be, be at the top of our game when we hit the playoffs. Why trade Mike Riley? Uh, well, for Mikey, he's a you know he's a good kid. We we signed him and the local guy. We you know we've had high expectations for him here in the last few years, and um, you know this year was a was a big year. We thought he had taken that step, or looked like he was about to take that step last year, and he just couldn't seem to get traction here. He'd have a game, uh, a game or two, and then and fall off, and just couldn't seem to to find his game. And unfortunately, in this business, other guys are trying to get to that level, and. Um, you know, Nick Sealer came in, and, and unfortunately for for him, is has gone by him. And you know, at the same time, Mike used uh, for whatever reason, just maybe the way our team's built on the back end, maybe it wasn't you know the best fit right now. But um, you know, I think for him, he's a talented kid. He's still got a tremendous upside. You know, he, he was looking for an opportunity elsewhere. And, you know, we you know we were careful, but at the same time, we were we made it happen. And you know, hopefully, we can you know wish for the best for him up there. And, um, but he's just one of those things. We had uh, he only played six defensemen, and he's looking for a bigger role. It just kind of makes sense for both parties at this point. I mean, I suppose it can be a win-win, right? I mean, he gets a change of scenery. Sometimes a guy needs a change of scenery. You know, Montreal, heck, will use him presumably a good amount, so that might be a good spot for him. And then you create, what, a little bit of cap space and a little bit of roster flexibility? Yeah, exactly. You know, we free up the contract, we free up some cap space, which is so, so helpful, but uh, you know, for Nick Sealer, it's a great opportunity for him. He's he's worked hard the last couple of years, uh, or throughout his career. But you know, the last couple of years, he's taken huge strides, and he deserved the opportunity. So you know, since we put him in the lineup, he's made the most of it. And our coaches are really happy with him and like what he brings. And you know, the players are respond well to him as well. So hopefully, he can, can maintain his level of play here and, and be a regular contributor. On Chris Stewart, I mean, he's been a healthy scratch a number of times. Is it one of those deals where Jordan Greenway may be here in a handful of weeks, and especially if he is here, that there really isn't a role for Chris Stewart? Yeah, it's you know for for Stewie, he's a he's a great teammate. You know, it's one of those difficult situations, I think. But you know, for him, he's a UFA at the end of the year, and you know, he he wanted to be playing more regularly, and um, but the relationship was, was very good. And, you know, we told him that you know if there's an opportunity to, to move him elsewhere, we would. And, you know, once we got close to the deadline, and we had a number of teams that were called interested, and and uh, you know he was able to go. But 
you know, just the way our team's built and what we have coming, you know, as ice time is probably going to be limited down the stretch here. Um, so we, we, you know, at the same time, we shed some cap space in the contract, but at the same time we did that, I think we did what's best for him and he'll get an opportunity to play in Calgary and, and hopefully uh, earn another contract going forward here. On Greenway, I mean, is there a sense, Brent, that, that he wants to be here as soon as, as soon as Boston university season is done? Uh, you know, we hope so. Uh, we, you know, we've spoken to his agent, but we're not, you know, we'll let problem with uh, these kids in the media these days, you know, they, he's had Olympics and college hockey and uh, we're just going to let him be and hopefully, you know, he can have a finish off his season strong at BU and, and go from there and, and we'll take care of business after that. But until uh, then, we, uh, we'll probably stay out of his way. What's the scouting report on Jordan Greenway? Uh, Jordan is, uh, you know, he's 6'5", close to 225-pound power forward, uh, strong skater, really strong on the puck. Uh, he's a load to handle on the wall and front of the net. Uh, his game has is, is taken huge strides since uh, we drafted him. So uh, he's a responsible defensive player. Uh, he can play both sides. Uh, he's currently playing center at, at Boston University, which is a great experience for him. I, we've kind of always projected him as a winger, but um, he's playing well there and as a centerman, and, and that's certainly something intriguing to have a six-five power center as well. So uh, we'll see what happens, but he's uh, you know, he's a guy that has made huge strides and a guy that with that size and his tool set, it's, uh, uh, it's obviously uh, we're very excited to add him to a mix. I mean, that's certainly intriguing and interesting. I didn't realize he was playing center at Boston. I mean, he has to be a winger at this level, right? Uh, he, he's, he's functioned fine. So, you know, I think he's played a little bit. Uh, in the Olympics at center as well. And, um, you know, he, he certainly doesn't look out of place. So uh, we'll see how it fits. I'm, it's always a lot easier to, uh, you know, get your feet wet in the National Hockey League on the wing and center position. The NHL is one of the hardest positions to play just because of your defensive responsibilities and whatnot. But uh, centermen are hard to find. So if he looks like he's playing well at center, we, we may give him a look at, at some point. But uh, we you know, we drafted him as a winger. We, we know we can play wing, and uh, we'll see where that takes him. The feedback was good for, for his performance with, with Team USA and then the, the Russian prospect you had playing over in, in South Korea? Yeah, yeah, they were both, uh, you know, very positive games I've watched. Uh, both played very well, so uh, obviously it's very exciting for, for those guys when they hopefully don a wild uniform here in the next couple of years. And it will be at least a couple of years on the Russian prospect? Correct, yeah. He's under contract for, for two more years, so it's unfortunately it is what it is, but, uh, you know, he, everybody, I think everybody that's had a chance to see him play should, should be excited about what he's going to be able to bring to us. And how about, speaking of being excited, Luke Cunning is now back? Uh, yeah, Luke uh, should be on his way up. Um, one potential illness tonight, so we brought him up just in case uh, one of our players can't go, but uh, but yeah, no, he's going to get a look here down the stretch and be a part of it, and part of the moves we made were to facilitate this, and, uh, but you know, he'll bring a bring some edge, bring some energy, and uh, some physicality to our, our lineup, and uh, you know, he's been working at his craft down there, and now he's going to have an opportunity to, to be involved with us down the stretch here, and hopefully uh, contribute. But more likely he you know, makes his re-debut on, on Thursday in Arizona, not tonight against St. Louis? Uh, that that was the initial plan is, is for Thursday, I believe. So, uh, But uh, we do have a 
one ailment that may pull the player out. So we'll see. But uh, as of now, I, I believe I don't believe he'll be playing. So I believe he's rushing up here as we speak to to get here just in case. Any trade yesterday across the league surprise you? Uh, yeah, was, you know the Tampa deal was a big deal to yes. get players like that. Uh, you know, any 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 trade with that many moving parts is is always interesting. Uh, uh, but no, no, I think it was a fairly quiet day overall. To be honest with you, maybe more surprised the lack of moves in certain cases, but you know it's just the way it is. I was actually surprised uh, Stastny moved from St. Louis to Winnipeg. That one surprised me. Yeah, yeah, no, it surprised everybody, but, uh, you know, he's certainly a very good player, and uh, St. Louis obviously felt they got a good return, uh, uh, you know, being a UFA at the end of the year. Um, but Winnipeg's added a very good player, so it just makes it that much tougher. Brent, did you guys lay any groundwork that you think you can revisit come, you know, June or July, some groundwork and some trade talks where you feel like you guys got far enough down the road that maybe there's – there's the potential to, to complete the trade come the summer? Yeah, no, I think there's some initial conversations and some, you know, are worth following up on and some maybe are, are long shots. But, yeah, there's lots of dialogue that goes on up until the trade deadline and some of them just don't make sense to do during the season, uh, some for cap reasons, some for just timing of where you are in your, your season. But, uh, yeah, no, there's some interesting thoughts that certain teams have and certainly some things that we'll look to you know, see if we can improve the, the wild, but uh, nothing imminent right now, that's for sure. I'll let you go after this. The The demise of, of Eric Stahl, you know, before he got here was, I guess, greatly exaggerated. I mean, Eric Stahl has been so good for you guys. And Bruce Boudreau made a good point yesterday at practice, Brent, that, that he's not quite sure Eric has played with the same line mates for, for more than three or four games, you know, for any stretch during this year. So he's constantly playing with new line mates, yet he just he constantly produces. Yeah, no, he's been a, obviously a tremendous signing. And, uh, we bought low. He, he, he's, you know, obviously he wasn't happy with his season uh, leading up to, um, to becoming UFA, and it didn't go as planned for him. But, you know, the summer he, he actually approached us initially, uh, I believe, and uh, Minnesota was a place that he and his, his family were highly interested in, and um, you know, obviously he had a, he had a lot of other options too. But um, but yeah, when we got him signed, he you know he, he realized quickly he's a, a real professional. Uh, but I know he worked very hard in the summer conditioning wise that year, and, and he came in with the mindset of you know just being one of the guys and playing and enjoying the game of hockey. And you know he didn't have to be the captain, didn't have to uh, do anything. He just had to come in and play, and uh, he's really flourished since he's come in. So. Uh, you know, obviously, we're we're very fortunate to be able to to get a veteran player with his you know his history and pedigree, and, and uh, he's been tremendous for us. Brent, always appreciate the time. Safe travels in Western Canada on that scouting trip. All right, well, thank you. That was Wild VP slash Assistant General Manager, second in charge in the front office. He is Brent Flair. Nice enough to join us while he's on a scouting trip, an amateur scouting trip in Western Canada, not far 
from Calgary. A little bit more specifically on the Wild. Yes, they had dialogue with Montreal about Max Pacioretty. So that is a name to watch come this summer. I think the Wild are open-minded to moving Coyle. Charlie Coyle, that is. Montreal has interest in Charlie Coyle. But how much more does Montreal want in addition to Coyle for Pacioretty? You cannot make a one-for-one deal. Montreal is not doing that. You need to add more to that package. So that is something that those two sides can revisit come this summer. Also, the Wild did have dialogue with the Rangers about Creighton Darum Hall alum Ryan McDonough, but it never got close to happening. Ultimately, Tampa pulled off the trade. Certainly Tampa, a team to watch as we get closer to the playoffs than in the playoffs. Tampa certainly is a team to watch to win it all. And I will just reiterate what we talked about with Brent Flair. While the Wild did not make a major addition here at the trade deadline, the idea is here before the month of March is over, when Boston University season is done, that Jordan Greenway will sign with the Wild and he can help them this postseason. That Jordan Greenway can be looked at as an addition come the playoff run for the Wild. So you bring up Cunning, he's ready to rock and roll as soon as, well, either Tuesday night against St. Louis if that player is too sick or Thursday in Arizona. So he'll get some run. He is ready to go and Jordan Greenway is expected to join the team for the stretch run. All right, let's start with the Vikings, at least as far as non-wild teams go. The Teddy Bridgewater news is now official. It's not surprising. Heck, Matthew Collar and me did a show a couple Saturdays ago from the Venture Bank Minnesota Golf Show at the convention center saying all expectations were that Teddy Bridgewater would be an unrestricted free agent. I said at the time his camp fully expected him to be an unrestricted free agent. Now, the Vikings tried to push the envelope. It was on the NFL to make a decision. The Vikings were all about having Teddy Bridgewater back in 2018 at a cap hit at less than $2 million. But the NFL, especially after the A.J. McCarron decision, it seemed like it was inevitable that Teddy Bridgewater would hit unrestricted free agency. So Teddy Bridgewater, an unrestricted free agent, Come March 14th. On Case Keenum, Ian Rappaport, the report earlier in the week that the Vikings will not use the franchise tag on him or the transition tag. That doesn't necessarily mean it's 100% that he won't be back. I'm told, actually, that his camp was pushing for the Vikings to let them know what the decision would be. The Vikings didn't let them know either way. It certainly points to his camp being the source for Ian Rappaport. Not that that's a bad source. In fact, if I had that as the source, I would have run with the story just like Ian Rappaport did. But my point is, the Vikings are still kicking around all sorts of things internally. Now, they are in Indianapolis. Rick Spielman will meet with the media on Wednesday morning. Mike Zimmer will meet with the media on Thursday morning. I'm not quite sure either will divulge much. In fact, I would bet that Rick Spielman uses the word process about 12 times. I'll make 12 the over-under. It's a process. They are still going through that process, but that is true. They are still holding daily meetings. They are kicking things around constantly. I can also tell you that any leak of information that has come out this week, whether it's the Case Keenum news with Rappaport, whether it was the Teddy Bridgewater scoop, I forget who had that initially, although, again, that was inevitable. I'm not quite sure that was a scoop. We all thought he was going to be an unrestricted free agent, but anyway... News that's coming out this week about the Vikings is not originating from the Vikings camp. In fact, Rick Spielman, he does this every year. It's as much a tradition as the Vikings going to Indianapolis for the Combine. He warns his staff that they will find leaks. They check 
computers. They check work phones. Everybody's got one of those work phones. So if you're sending text messages to a source, the Vikings will unearth that. Rick Spielman is anal about making sure there are no leaks. Not to say that they don't leak stuff out. They may leak some stuff out on March 14th. They may leak some stuff out this summer. They leak stuff. Don't get me wrong. But right now, they don't want anything leaked. They don't want any information out there. Are they pursuing Kirk Cousins? Are they not pursuing Kirk Cousins? I'm just telling you, any report you see is not coming from anybody associated with the Vikings. So it could be an agent, very much agent-driven. But if it's agent-driven, then it's agenda-driven. Or it could be coming from another team wanting to plant something out there. So it benefits said team in some way. So I'm just telling you, hey, we all love the rumors. We all love the scuttlebutt, right? We all want to soak up as much information as we can. Heck, it's the basis of this podcast, the Scoop Podcast. But I'm just telling you, whatever you see, it is not coming from anybody within the Vikings organization. All right, that being said, Gil Brandt is somebody I've talked to before. I used to do some serious satellite NFL radio a number of years ago. I used to chat with Gil Brandt on Saturday mornings. He is the godfather of NFL information. So when Gil Brandt puts out there earlier in the week that if he were a betting man, Kirk Cousins ends up in a Vikings uniform, you pay attention. So yes, logically speaking, connecting some dots, yes, it does appear the Vikings are in on Kirk Cousins. Are they all in? Do we have an idea yet if Kirk Cousins really wants to go to a winner or if the Jets just blow him away with an offer or if the Browns blow him away with an offer? Will he chase the money? That's to be determined. I'll remind you on this, too. The Vikings will leave Indianapolis fully knowing what the price will be. This is the way it works. Tampering happens all the time. The Vikings have guys, including David Morgan, who is represented by Priority Sports. Priority Sports is the agency that represents Kirk Cousins. So you can meet on guys currently on your roster, but inevitably free agents these agencies represent come up. I'm just telling you it happens. The NFL can't really prevent it because you can meet with agents in Indianapolis. So the Vikings will meet with Priority Sports. They will leave Indianapolis fully knowing what the price will be to land Kirk Cousins. So, so much Stuff will leak here in the coming days because, hey, agents talk. I mean, agents talk all the time. So I guarantee you in the next week or so, we will have a really good idea what the price will be to land Kirk Cousins. The Vikings were never in on Marcus Peters. He goes in a trade from the Chiefs to the Rams. Yes, the Chiefs reached out to the Vikings, but the Vikings had zero interest. No interest in cornerback Marcus Peters. The Vikings also were not in on Vontae Davis. He signed a one-year deal, the former cornerback of the Miami Dolphins, Indianapolis Colts. He signed a one-year deal the other day with the Buffalo Bills. There is still some chatter about the Vikings finding some ways to create even more salary cap space, whether it's the name Jarius Wright or redoing some contracts, a Kyle Rudolph, a Brian Robison, Latavius Murray. Those are some things to keep an eye on here in the coming days and weeks. I will certainly dive more into that more so next week. We move on to the Wolves. They certainly have received a number of calls from agents, Alan Anderson, others, seeing if they will add a free agent here this week. Trust me, their phone is constantly ringing. So many guys out there would love to play here, 
Heck, who wouldn't want a job in the NBA if you don't have a job? So the Wolves are constantly talking to folks, but there is no sense. They have not let anyone believe that they are actually going to add somebody. Now, if there's a surprise addition to the buyout market, if somehow the Knicks and Joe Kim Noah agree to a buyout. Now, I was told by somebody close to Noah, he is not leaving $1 on the table. He is owed approximately $37 million still. For him to leave the Knicks, he wants all $37 million. He is not giving back a dollar. I don't see why the Knicks would do that. But I also get it from Joe Kim's point of view that, hey, why give up money? You gave me four years, $72 million. Pay me that money. But if somehow there's a resolution on that front, yes, the Wolves would be all over Joe Kim Noah. But at this point, as I tape this on Tuesday early evening, the 27th of February, there's not a sense that the Knicks are buying out Joe Kim Noah. So at this point, especially with all the days of rest, the Wolves have, what, 19 games left, 18 games left over, like, what, 40-something days? Heck, they have an upcoming stretch where they have, like, five or six days off. They'll practice a couple times. But the point is, even with the eight-man rotation, that eight-man rotation can survive because they're not – playing a grueling schedule the rest of the way. Also, on Jimmy Butler, there is hope that he might even be back by the end of the regular season. If not the end of the regular season, the postseason. That his season is not done. Now, we'll have to see how rehab goes. That's a fluid situation. But with his work ethic, with his desire, with his genes, there is encouragement. There is positivity that Jimmy Butler will be back for the Wolves before the year is over. On Derrick Rose, now you'll laugh at this one. I was told actually after everything, some back and forth, the Rose camp being led to believe that Rose had a legit chance to sign with the Wolves. I'm actually told now that Derrick Rose doesn't have interest in playing for the Wolves. Now why that's funny is he is unemployed. He is looking for a job. Like if the Wolves offered Derrick Rose a contract on Wednesday morning, you mean to tell me he would say no? I have a hard time believing that. But yes, I had somebody tell me that, that Derrick Rose, after all all this back and forth, thinking he would be here, then he's not here, that he actually doesn't want to be with the Wolves. But again, I have a hard time believing that. The Wolves will be at the Big Ten tourney this week. Don't forget, Big Ten tourney basketball this week, a week earlier, because they wanted Madison Square Garden for whatever reason. So the Wolves will be out and about the next couple weeks scouting conference tournaments, and that begins this week with the Big Ten tournament. But they have their scouts out and about all the time. They have their scouts at G League games. Heck, they're watching Brandon Jennings. I don't think the Wolves are signing Brandon Jennings, but he's off to a good start for Milwaukee's G League team. So the Wolves are constantly watching guys, whether, heck, it's the FIBA game the other day, USA-Puerto Rico. So they have their scouts out and about scouting guys on a nightly basis. But I wanted to highlight the fact that the conference tournaments start this week. Shabazz Mohammed's camp continues to reach out to teams. They can't get a team to commit fully. They've gotten a couple maybes, but nobody wants all in on Shabazz Mohammed. A reminder what Glenn Taylor said on Scoop Podcast episode 128, that his camp has permission to find a new team. So if a team like Oklahoma City or you name the team is willing to sign Shabazz Mohammed, the Wolves will release him immediately. But again, Shabazz's camp can't quite get a team to commit to him to the twins oh where to begin let's start with logan morrison he had a personal issue to tie up he is due in fort myers on wednesday logan morrison he will wear number 
99. The White Sox made him an offer a number of weeks ago. How funny is this? So Logan Morrison was on a cheap deal last year for Tampa, has the unreal year, career year, 38 home runs. He made like $4 million, four and change. The White Sox tried to sign him for less than that. That's how screwed up this market is. Logan Morrison has a career year, yet the White Sox weren't even willing to pay him what he made in 2017. His camp laughed at that offer. His camp did better than what he did last year. He is guaranteed $6.5 million. He can make up to $16.5 million with a vesting option based on plate appearances, 600 plate appearances. If he gets to 600 plate appearances this season, then his option kicks in for 2019. Otherwise, I'm led to believe it is a team option. The remaining money would be a team option for 2019. But Logan Morrison, the new Twins designated hitter, plus when they sold him on signing with them, they told him he would get to play some first base. So he'll DH and play first. As for Kenny Vargas, who thought he had the job of DH all wrapped up, yes, he has informed his agent, please find me a new team. The Twins are in no rush to move him, but hey, if somebody makes an okay offer, nobody's going to blow them away on an offer for Kenny Vargas. But if they get a decent offer, the Twins are open-minded to sending him somewhere, but nothing is close. That is something to watch as we get closer to the end of March. Also on the Twins, I am told they made Lance Lynn a two-year offer, and it was a low-ball offer. I'm told somewhere in the vicinity of 10 to $12 million total, so something like 5 to $6 million a year. At this point, Lance Lynn and his agent are laughing at such an offer. If they are to take a low-ball offer, it would be for one year, and to re-enter the free agent market next winter. They are not taking a low-ball two-year deal. Now, hey, I guess I can't fault the White Sox for trying on Logan Morrison. I can't fault the Twins for trying on Lance Lynn, but the Twins are not getting into a bidding war. I'm told the Twins would happily take Lance Lynn at their price. There would be some interest in Alex Cobb at their price. Heck, I'm sure they would take Jake Arrieta at their price. They are not getting in any sort of bidding war. They are not going all in on any of those free agent pitchers. They're not giving out one of those contracts that is like what four years 60 million 80 million what did Alex Cobb turn down from the Cubs three years 42 million the twins are not doing that they wouldn't do three 42 for Lance Lynn or anything like that I'm not even quite sure they'd go to three years total on Lynn or Cobb I think the number would be two years what is a fair number for two years of Lance Lynn Would Lance Lynn come for two years 20? I guess I don't know that, but at this point, the Twins have not come close to even offering that. They made a low ball offer to Lance Lynn on the Miguel Sano investigation. So on Sunday, I was hanging out with a Twins employee. He brought up a good point. He is shocked at the little amount of attention the Miguel Sano investigation has gotten locally. Well, it's starting to pick up a little bit. I'm told there was a Friday deadline for the Major League Baseball investigators to track down some phone records, and they weren't able to track those down. So I know they don't have every bit of information they would like. They did interview Miguel Sano. I'm burying the lead here. They did interview Miguel Sano on Tuesday. That is a sign this investigation is done or just about done. At this point, it's in the commissioner's hands. He will make a determination. I can just tell you from digging around enough, it's a very, very complicated situation. It's not nearly as simple as just this alleged incident at Ridgedale a few years ago. There are layers to this situation. I'm just telling you, I don't know if he's guilty, if he's not guilty. I don't have enough information on that front. He is claiming his innocence. 
you know, certainly Betsy, the photographer, is saying that she was assaulted. So it's there's layers. I'm just telling you, I'll leave it at that. There are lots of layers to that situation, but we should have a final determination on if he will be suspended, if he is suspended, how long he'll be suspended in the coming days, maybe a week or two. I guess I don't know how long Commissioner Manfred will take, but all the information is there for him to look at. Darren Johnson in the Twins front office was at a showcase last week along with a few twin scouts for international prospects in the Dominican Republic. This is also when draft preparation kicks into full gear because you've got all the college teams playing games. You have a number of high school teams playing games. The two local names to remember, Sean Jelly, Matamidi High School, Kentucky. He was the SEC Pitcher of the Year. Sean Jelly has a chance to go in the first round. Come the June draft, also Jake Irvin, former Bloomington Jefferson star. He is the number one pitcher for Oklahoma. Jake Irvin has a chance to go relatively high in the June draft. I should note, looking at my scribble, Mike Napoli, a minor league deal with the Indians. That's not necessarily a scoop that was out there on Tuesday morning. Here is where I can advance the story. Mike Napoli was never offered a contract by the Twins. So a reminder, he was actually trying to recruit you Darvish to the Twins, yet the Twins had never made him an offer. There was not an offer there. Now, who knows? Maybe there was a verbal understanding that if Mike Napoli helped land you Darvish with the Twins, that the Twins would have offered Napoli a minor league deal with some sort of guarantee, much like Chris Jimenez a year ago. You make the minor league offer now, but you know the guy will be on your 25-man roster. Who knows? There might have been some verbal assurances if Napoli helped convince Darvish to sign with the Twins, but you, Darvish, never came close to signing with the Twins, never seriously considered them. If it wasn't the Cubs, he would have found a way back to Los Angeles to be a Dodger. You Darvish was never landing with the Twins, but I do find that fascinating that Mike Napoli was helping recruit a free agent to Minnesota, even though he never had an offer from Minnesota. But he signs with the Indians, so now he can terrorize the Twins if he so chooses. I did have somebody close to Napoli tell me it's $1.75 million guaranteed if he makes the 25-man roster, plus there's all sorts of performance bonuses tied in based on plate appearances, home runs, and so on. So Mike Napoli, back to the Cleveland Indians. Gopher Sports. Athletic Director Mark Coyle left Florida on Tuesday morning to head to New York City for the Big Ten Tournament. The Gophers open up, the men do, Big Ten Tournament play on Wednesday night against Rutgers. He was patting some people on the back, slapping some people on the back. He was playing some golf with some donors. I know Randy Handel was in Florida with Mark Coyle. Remember the name Randy Handel? Yes, Randy Handel was with Mark Coyle. So Mark Coyle is doing better after that accident a number of weeks ago when he fell running. Heck, going down to Florida is not a bad gig, but it's part of the deal. Remember, Norwood Teague was down in Florida all the time trying to raise money. So anyway, Mark Coyle on his way to New York for the Big Ten Tournament. I'm glad Amir Coffey got the surgery. He is doing well. It's a five- to six-month recovery, that right shoulder injury. I do know there was a good amount of back and forth. I've mentioned this. I don't know if I mentioned it on the Scoop podcast. Was it on Mackie and Judd's show? Was it just on TV? Anyway, I do know that there was some disagreement about how his injury was handled. Remember, he came back for games on January 20th, then a few days later, I believe it was January 23rd. It was a January 20th game against Ohio State, then a January 23rd, maybe 24th, it doesn't matter, against Northwestern. He came back for those two games, then he was out again. The public 
word was from Richard Pitino that Amir Coffey re-injured that right shoulder against Northwestern. And I'm not quite sure that the Coffey folks agree with that sentiment. That the word was that, hey, the shoulder was always injured. He didn't re-injure it. He should have never been out there against the Buckeyes and Wildcats. And I do know that some other university folks were brought into the picture. It's a story to keep an eye on. I'll leave it at that. There's still some digging to do on that front, but I do know there was some disagreement. It's not like, hey, Amir Coffey is transferring or anything goofy like that. You know, heck, disagreement happens all the time. I would argue disagreement is healthy in many instances. But in this instance, there was from the coffee side an opinion, an informed opinion, an educated opinion that Amir should have never been out there against the Buckeyes and Wildcats. So I think there's some making up that needs to occur between the two sides. And again, this went above Richard Patino. Certainly Patino involved in the decision to play Amir on January 20th and 23rd. But what I'm saying is the fallout went above Patino. Certainly Patino was involved, but they had to go above Patino. So I'm just saying there's there's probably still more to that story that needs to be unearthed. Speaking of Patino, he was at Hopkins High School last week watching Zeke Naji, the junior forward who the Gophers have offered. Zeke was also at the Gophers game last week against Iowa. Now Iowa is all over Zeke. He's been to Iowa City, so he was able to take in the Gophers and Hawkeyes, keep a close eye on both, but he was there as a guest of the Gophers. There is a strong sense that Devontae Fitzgerald does want to play a sixth year next year. The question is, will it be in a Gophers uniform or somewhere else? He might be able to go somewhere else and get more minutes. So once the Gopher season is done, it'll be interesting to see what the fallout is from all sorts of different angles. So we'll certainly keep an eye on the men's basketball program. Gophers football news, they are now up to 200 offers handed out. That thanks to my friends at 24-7. Ryan Burns and those guys do a tremendous job on the recruiting front. I can say I did email last week with Jeff Erdman, the head coach at Rosemount, and his wide receiver, the class of 2020 wide receiver Jonathan Mann got a Gophers offer than I did see on his Twitter page. He announced the Gophers offer. Iowa and Iowa State also all over man, especially Iowa. But it's good to see the Gophers catching up to Iowa on this local kid. He can play is the word I've gotten from Jeff Erdman and others. There was some confusion on a Hank Bachmeyer tweet. He's the quarterback from California that the Gophers want more than any other quarterback in the class of 2019. There was a tweet that he put out. Somebody alerted me to it on my Twitter feed. It was a tweet that he put out where if you read it the wrong way, you would have figured that he committed to the University of Georgia, who has made him an offer. But no, he is not committed to the University of Georgia. The Gophers are still working on Hank Bachmeyer. And I know that he's had a number of conversations with Quinn Carroll, Edina offensive lineman, class of 2019 stud. It looks like it'll come down to Notre Dame and the Gophers. I've mentioned for a long time that I do think Notre Dame will be a tough beat for Quinn Carroll, but the Gophers are doing everything in their power to get Quinn Carroll. And I do know, spending time with Quinn, his brother Colin, I do know that they think the world of P.J. Fleck. If they choose Notre Dame, it's not a slight of P.J. Fleck or the Gophers. They have the utmost respect for the Gophers. They love the new facilities. They love P.J. Fleck. It's just one of those deals. Hey, Notre Dame produces NFL offensive linemen. They produce a lot of NFL offensive linemen. P.J. Fleck has produced some offensive linemen that have gone on to the pros, but he has to maybe do that more on a sustained basis. He'll send one to the pros this year. 
He had his fingerprints, I guess, a little bit on Willie Beavers, who was a fourth-round pick a couple years ago of the Vikings. So, hey, P.J. Fleck has sent guys to the NFL, but Notre Dame has a lengthy track record of sending guys, especially offensive linemen, to the NFL. We, we as in Channel 5, were over at Gophers women's basketball practice on Tuesday. They have signs all around the facility. They have bracelets that say March Mentality. So... They have changed their line of thinking. We asked Carly Wagner and others what March mentality means. It's just, hey, we need to play even harder. We need to grind that much more. You know, when we're running up and downs for 90 straight minutes in the heat in July, it's for this reason. It's to make a run in the Big Ten tournament this week. It's to get an NCAA tournament seed. It's to win a game or two or more in the NCAA tournament. Make this a truly special season. It's already been a special season when you have the freshman of the year in Destiny Pitts, when you've got first-team All-Big Ten players in Carly Wagner and Kenesha Bell, but it can be that much more special if they make a nice run deep into March. So again, their motto for this time is March mentality. On men's hockey, I've seen the name Todd Richards floated out there. NHL assistant former Wild head coach floated out there in the event that the Gophers make a coaching change, fired Don Lucia. One issue with that, I'm told Todd Richards doesn't have his university degree. He does not have a college degree. You need to have a college degree to be the head coach of the Gophers men's hockey team. So no on Todd Richards. On Grand Petone, he's winning enough at Northern Michigan. Here's what I was told. If they make a change, Mark Coyle is looking for somebody that not only can coach, but is willing to get out there and dig in on fundraising and really getting butts in the seats at Mariucci. That all the empty seats this year has really bugged Mark Coyle. He figures a face of the program, the head coach, can bring more people into the arena, whether that would be a Grand Petone or do you throw a ton of money at Bob Motzko, make him say no, or would you go the route of Mike Gensel? I love Mike. I've admitted that. Mike's been on this podcast. Mike is a friend, but Mike might get stuck in the predicament of is he – Maybe not necessarily too close to Don, but that they can't hire from within. They can't hire somebody currently on the staff that they would need to go outside, even though Grandpa Tony was on the staff, but Grant did leave for the year. So I'm just saying it's it's worth keeping an eye on. I would say no final determination has been made. Heck, the Gophers could still go on a special run. They could maybe find a way to advance this weekend at Penn State, even though Penn State just kicked their ass. But maybe they find a way to advance this weekend. Maybe they can go on a nice run. So if they advance this weekend, are they locked in? I haven't even looked at the pairwise. But do they have a chance to maybe get to St. Paul to the Frozen Four. Heck, if they do, Don Lucia would be back. He absolutely would be back. It's not like that university is willing to cut a check, a buyout check, even though the buyout check is not Patino-like. But it's not like the university wants to cut a buyout check to let a coach go. But if the season continues to spiral a little bit, there were some positives. But let's say they get eliminated this weekend by Penn State. I'm just saying something to keep an eye on. I do know Mark Coyle has been getting pressure from a number of high-profile alum that they want Don Lucia out. I saw some notes about National Olympics ratings, TV ratings, local Olympics TV ratings. Now, hey, CARE 11 locally here in the Twin Cities did very well. Now, comparatively speaking to other Olympics, not so much, but compared to other markets, trust me, every TV station in this market would take the ratings that CARE 11 got the last couple weeks. That being said, comparing the 2018 Winter Olympics to some recent Olympics, 
I am told opening ceremony was down 49%. This is adults 25 to 54, the key demographic when it comes to selling ads. So adults 25 to 54, this is comparing the 2014 Olympics, Winter Olympics, to the 2018 Winter Olympics, that locally the opening ceremony ratings were down 49%. Primetime was down 26%. Weekday daytime numbers were down 50%. Late night was down 31%. Weekends were down 23%. So they may need to locally have some make good spots in there. I don't know what numbers they promised their advertisers, but those numbers are less than desirable based on the 2014 Winter Olympics numbers. But make no mistake, let me stress this that any local TV station would happily take the ratings that Carol Levin got the last couple weeks. This is a market that soaks up the Olympics, maybe more so the summer. And the winter, but hey, with all the Minnesota athletes performing at such a high level in South Korea, the ratings were good. They were great in many ways. They just weren't as great as they were four years ago. A reminder, please support the sponsor of the Scoop Podcast. It is Skoll Marketing. If you're a small business owner, Skoll Marketing can help you make money. They can help you advance your business. Online, SkollMarketing.com, or call now to schedule your free 30-minute consultation, 612-787-SKOLL. 612-787-SKOLL. They are a locally owned company. They are owned by two former Google employees. So you know if you worked at Google, these guys know what they're doing. They will help make Google work for you. That is their motto. They will help make Google work for you. So you want people to go to Google. They want you, your business, to pop up higher than other comparable businesses. So be sure to check them out online, skullmarketing.com, or call them for a free 30-minute consultation. Heck, you can't lose, right? If you're a small business owner, if you're a business owner, if you're looking for any pieces of advice, why not take the free 30-minute consultation, then go from there. 612-787-SKULL. 612-787-SKULL. That does it for Scoop Podcast episode 130. The plan is to be back next week with episode 131. Super excited to bring a new sponsor on board. We'll continue to dig. Heck, March Madness lives up to its nickname on the Scoop Podcast. So much going on. Will the Twins up an offer to Lance Lynn, land another pitcher? Will the Vikings ultimately sign Kirk Cousins? What will come out from the Combine? You have some local athletes performing at the Combine. Frank Ragnow, Chanhassen High School, Jack Sitchie, Hill Murray High School. You've got Jake Wynicke, Maple Grove High School. So we've got local athletes to keep an eye on. We've got Gophers Football Pro Day coming up at the end of March to keep an eye on. We've got you know, inevitably some sort of fallout from the Gophers men's basketball season, how far the Gophers women's basketball team can go, the Wild, the Wolves. So, so much going on. March is a fantastic month. Thank you so much for listening.